the light. The light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. The light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Over and over, we who are the church, the people of God, the first fruits of the new humanity and renewed creation, we find ourselves proclaiming the incredible truth that light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot comprehend, surround, snuff out, or inhabit the light. We bear witness in the face of death that life wins. We point to the places where we see light, however ambient, in the darkest hours of the night, saying that sin and degradation and isolation are not the last words. The last word is still love. Some of us tend to see the world as fundamentally dark. We've been told of the basic depravity of humanity, the reality of our sinful natures beginning with Adam's disobedience and sin in the Garden of Eden. We've heard of the atrocities people have committed in history, often in the name of religion. And we've seen on our televisions the carnage brought about by wars and insanity in our own day and time. For Christians who see the world through such a dark lens, the problem is sin. And Jesus is the answer. Christmas, merely the beginning of the story that will be unveiled as a pivotal point in human history, bringing forgiveness to those who give their hearts over to God, who claim the present that is lying in the manger waiting for us to unswaddle like a Christmas present and live forever in that light that will only be fully revealed in heaven. God provides in this view a mechanical solution to the problems of history in Jesus' ultimate death on the cross. It's the bloodshed that's effective. It's almost as though the darkness is the point with the resurrection almost an afterthought or a reward for a job well done. Christmas just the beginning, a white rose blooming before the fullness of life that is to come in the spring. For many of us, such thinking was the doorframe of the front door through which we walked into a life of faith. It was all about guilt and forgiveness, and certainly part of what the babe in the major will address. But perhaps imagine that this view is off kilter, that this view is, ske is skewed somehow. That was the theology I was first taught when I first came to conscious or chosen faith. And I have friends from those days, and some of them, a handful of them, remain almost sort of hardcore, almost militantly holding on to this kind of theology, almost afraid that they will be uh, found apostate if they waver for an inch, they're giving up faith or something. But more of my friends from those days have rejected the faith altogether. For them, once the cracks started appearing in the closed rationalistic system, then faith ceased to make sense. You know what I mean. This faith is the kind where all the questions are answered from within the system. Why is my friend not being healed when I pray? Clearly, because you don't have enough faith. Does God really require bloodshed in order to offer forgiveness? Oh, yes, because God cannot abide sin. And so you would have to be killed if baby Jesus wasn't born so he could die in your place. It's all part of God's plan. For some, there might have been a period of compromise. Some of my friends slightly shifting positions. But in the end, that fundamental darkness wins because this stuff is incredible nonsense. And a thinking person 
will eventually say that evil is simply too present and the God of this world cannot overcome or comprehend or defeat the darkness. It's just ridiculous, vain hope. The theological house of cards comes down faster than the walls of Jericho and faith flees out the window. Brothers and sisters, we have a choice. A choice about how we will look at the world. By some extraordinary grace, unlike many of my friends, I was granted a different way when those cracks began appearing in the theology I'd been taught. I was granted a different way of reading the story and seeing the way. And it was the, it was the prologue to John's gospel. It was the way of light. I came to this country as an undergraduate and was there introduced to me what seemed to be a large Episcopal parish. I'd known dreary, really dreary village churches in England. <laughs> and I'd known fairly vibrant parachurch evangelical and incredibly smug ministries, but I'd never known a vibrant congregation. And suddenly, here I was hearing pretty decent sermons most of the time and wonderful music among people of all ages who appeared to care for each other and appeared to care to each, for each other enough to fight when they needed to without breaking apart. Those were the days, for those of you who've been around, of prayer book revision, the ordination of women. There were plenty of arguments to be had. In retrospect, I'm sure there must have been people who found it more important to believe themselves right than to be in relation with each other. To this day, I'll often ask couples preparing for marriage to answer the fundamental question themselves, would you rather be right or would you rather be related? You know, it's a good question. And you've got to be honest with the answer. But I will say that from that at that time, from my own access and perspective, what I saw was not that. I saw God working in and through the Christian community in ways I had never before experienced. And I began to see the world as defined not by darkness and sin and guilt and horror, but defined by light. Defined not by original sin, but by original blessing, Eden before the fall. The world defined not by death, but defined by love. When we begin to grasp the truth that the darkness comprehended not the light that came into the world, then Christmas is not a mere fairy tale or a footnote to the real story of the cross of Jesus. Instead, incarnation, the divine inhabiting human, human life, becomes essential to the story that we celebrate in the birth of Jesus. It is the author, it is about the author of our salvation inhabiting the characters of the human story in the most complete way imaginable. And the darkness cannot comprehend divine life and divine light inhabiting ours from birth to death. Darkness comprehended it not, either in the sense of understanding the light or in the sense of containing or surrounding the light. We are left with a choice and sometimes it's a hard choice to look for the light. From the perspective of original blessing, a birth can take place in the midst of unimaginable horrors. And what we see is the miracle. And what we proclaim is God's love in the midst of a sinful and broken and dark world nonetheless. 
We're not defeated by the reality of evil because we know the power and the meaning and the purpose that we find in the reality of love. Love made incarnate. Love taking on flesh. Love that we know with one another in the Christian family. Tonight, we proclaim the love of God for all humanity, for you and for me. We proclaim the possibility of integrity in a broken world. We proclaim that darkness is not what defines us, but light. We proclaim that we, all of us, are comprehended, understood, and surrounded by the love of God, and even, perhaps especially, when darkness seems to hold sway in us and around us. If you do not see light, or if you hear the story of this night as a sock to children, a fairy tale, a sentimental fable, then I invite you to consider joining us in following the Prince of Peace and allowing your vision to be shaped by and towards what really matters. As you choose light and choose life, so you will begin to find God trustworthy. And so you will know the renewal and deepening of real love in your life. If you want to begin practicing making the choices of faith, you can accept the invitation to commune among the people of God around God's table this night, reaching out your hands with the faithful across the world and down the ages and saying, yes, yes, because the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not.